I'm Julie Schallhorn. I'm an Associate Professor of Ophthalmology at the University of California, San Francisco, and I am here with Marjan Farid. I'm Marjan Farid. I'm the Director of Cornea, Cataract, and Refractive Surgery at the Gavin Herbert Eye Institute at UC Irvine. And today we're going to be talking about keys to effective presbyopia patient conversations, what we talk about with patients. So starting out, you know, Marjan, uh, you know, how do you assess somebody's needs? You know, do you have a questionnaire that you use or are there specific questions that you use to try and really gauge what a patient is expecting from cataract surgery? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the most important things is to know your patient, right? So a patient comes in for cataract surgery. Not only am I going to do obviously a full evaluation, but this conversation with the patient is so critical to set up the rapport with the patient, and to really understand the patient. So I think lifestyle questionnaires are fantastic. Get an idea of what the patient likes to do. What, are their, um, what is their job requirement? Are they at a computer all day? Are they uh, doing photography? Are they doing shooting? What are their hobbies? I think these are critical points for a couple things. One, you sort of narrow down in your mind as you're having this conversation, what is the best technology for this patient? I'm not necessarily going to be offering them everything that's out there. So I'm going to, I, I already start narrowing it down during the conversation. And then also it helps build rapport. The patient really feels like, oh, you want to know what they want. It really helps them feel like you're connecting with them. Um, what are your thoughts? How, how do you do yeah, it? Yeah, I, you know, I, I also just kind of do it conversationally, you know, what exactly the same things. So what do you like to do? What do you do for a living? Yeah. What are your hobbies? You know, what, you know, what's an ideal day for you, you know, and try and gauge it, try and gauge it based upon that. Um, you know, I know that there's the Dell questionnaire out there, which has a lot of kind right. of questions about lifestyle. I have not incorporated that into my practice, mostly because, you know, like nine out of 10 people are in San Francisco are, you know, software engineers and they are, you know, way up on the compulsive score. <laughs> score. So I just kind of assume that everybody is going to be compulsive like that. But, uh, but do, do you use a formal questionnaire or do you just, just have the conversation? Uh, you know, we do have a uh, modified Dell questionnaire. So we do use that. We try to gauge um, degree of perfectionist. Um, and some patients love it. They click all the way over to a 10 and uh, so it's, it's, try, it's good to try to get some of that insight into your patient's ability to adapt, flexibility, what kind of quality of vision they're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, and it helps guide the conversation. Do you have any difference for how you um, approach younger patients versus older patients? You know, younger patients, I think, are, you know, have much higher expectations because they're that much you know, that, 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 you know, they're, they're either not presbyopic in the case of like an early sun, onset cataract, or they have just entered presbyopia. And they say, you know, I know what it's like to see up here and to see, you know, yeah. you know, that far away. So you have to be really, I think, a lot more um, kind of respectful of their feelings and then educational about what, what presbyopia is like. Because I think the initial response, if you don't tell them about presbyopia, they're like, what do you mean I can't say? Like, what, I won't be able to see up close if you, if, you, if, I, if you give me far away. I can see up close right now. It's like, well, yes, you can see up close right now, but see optically. So, I, you know, I, yeah. I, I always try and actually, and I, th I feel like uh, just kind of comparing it to, like, your camera is, you know, uh, is, is such a good way of doing it because I think people are, you know, aware of focal points when they're taking pictures of the camera. So I'm like, well, your eyes like a camera it requires, you know, a different power of lens to look at something far away versus looking at something right. up close. And we don't have a lens that can change shape like your natural lens does. And right. Not we, yet. Not yet. That's true. Right. Not yet. Yeah. 
So I think that's that's really critical because it also depends on where they come from in terms of how you're having this conversation. If it's a patient who's hyperopic and they're wearing glasses for everything, the conversation is kind of easier. Like, I know I'm going to give you better vision. Mm-hmm. You're going to be out of your glasses, at least for some of your activities. Mm-hmm. When you have a myopic patient who's Especially already seeing up close. A low myop. Those are tough. They don't get that. They Well, I already have them near, so just give me the distance. And, and you're like, well, no, we're starting from ground zero. I'm going to be taking away your near, so you need to choose, or we're moving down a presbyopic IOL path. So you're absolutely right, depending on not just the age, but also you know, their preoperative refraction, that the conversation is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Do you, do you tend to, you know, like have different options that you tend to present for people more that, you know, say, uh, you know, I love needlework and needlework is my, my passion versus, you know, I love birding. I want to be able to see the birds, yeah. you know, like, do you, how do you, how do you kind of deal with that, that yeah. category differently? That's a great question. So the first thing I try to kind of gauge from the patient is, are they looking for spectacle independence? Where are they coming from? Because a lot of patients will say, you know what, I don't mind wearing reading glasses. I'm fine to do it. If you can give me, you know, great distance driving vision and intermediate, then I'm already knowing sort of what path I'm going along. I have some younger patients that say, you know, in today's technology, I don't want to wear glasses anymore. I'm sick of it. I don't want to wear glasses. And now you're moving towards, okay, well, we're looking at something like a trifocal lens. And so the conversations are going to shift a little bit and the setting the proper expectations are going to shift a little bit as well. So what, you know, what is the conversation like for a patient who comes in and you're moving towards maybe a presbyopic correcting type of lens? Do you start by talking to the patient about all type of lenses or have you already narrowed it down? And talk to me about that. You know, usually, you know, usually after by that time, kind of based upon what I know about their eye and the health of their eye, and um, what I know about what they they like to do and kind of their you know what their hopes for the vision are, I'm I'm usually able to select you know a, a lens that I think would be a good option for them. But I still I think you know ha- patients need to be informed about their options, and I think it's really important to discuss all options with them. So right. you know I'll say to them you know for you I, I hear that you really like um, you know you love driving, you love going on long drives, and you want to be able to see your phone without your glasses, but you don't mind about reading glasses. Um, you know, for, I think that, that to me says that you want really high quality distance vision and you want to be able to kind of, you know, get by without glasses on for, for some of the time. They'll be like, yeah. And I'll be like, okay, well, this is, I think this is the best lens for you. The other options are, you know, these three things, um, uh, with just the monofocal, you'd have to wear glasses more, mm-hmm. you know, um, with the trifocal, you're going to sacrifice some of that, you know, nighttime driving ability. So I, I really think that you want, um, an extended depth of focus lens or, or right. what have you. So, you know, try and, 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 you know, give them, let them know that I've been thinking about this and, and I think I know I have an idea of what would fit for them. And, right. but I want them to understand that, you know, yeah, I, there are these other options out there as well. It's very interesting because the, the patients will often say, well, what do you recommend, doctor? What do you think is best for me? And, and, and I like that. So I do narrow it down and try to give a recommendation at the end of the day. But I also want them to be involved and to sort of take an active role in that decision because they take some ownership in that too. So what I tell patients, my, my conversation goes something like this. Well, there's three types of lenses out there. There's a monofocal lens. You only get to choose distance or near. And then there's a multifocal lens where you're spectacally independent, but you're going to have rings and and halos at night. You have to be okay with that sacrifice. And there's another lens in between where there isn't so much halos and and glare, and you get some range, 
but but you're going to still need reading glasses for the for clothes. So I, I based you know based on that just sort of rough um, description of the three general types of lenses, I then start narrowing it down to where they fit in. Now, if a patient comes in and has had LASIK or has had RK, and I know it's going to be a challenge to predict the lens power, or maybe their astigmatism is not quite. I'm I'm going to be. I know it's going to be challenging to predict. Then I'm already having the discussion about, you know what, this is why you're so difficult, and this is why I recommend thinking about a light-adjustable lens for you. And so, you know, I think our recommendation patients really take that to heart as well. So even though I do describe all technologies, I quickly narrow it down to what I recommend based on their lifestyle, uh, hobbies, and their specific eye, you know, mm-hmm. the, the specific requirements of their eye. Yeah, so important. And, and, you know, for those patients that just aren't candidates for any of these lenses, you know, do you, do you tell them there are other options out there, but you, you can't have them? Or, you know, how, how, do you, how do you explain that to them? Yeah, that's a good question. For example, patients with macular degeneration, sometimes they have really high hopes for cataract surgery, also correcting their macular degeneration. So there is a lot of patient education. Um, and the camera description is really well. The retina is really the, the film in the camera. We're not able to alter that but we can alter the lens. These are some of the options that, that will help us in this category. Um, you know, in terms of uh, multifocal lens technology, I think one of the key things with these um, upgraded technologies is to make sure to not overpromise and underdeliver. If anything, we want to do the opposite, underpromise and overdeliver, and, and to make sure the patient's expectations are set make sure their ocular surface is really treated and identified and discussed with the patient. There's so many patients who are unhappy afterwards because nobody ever told them they had dry eyes and now they feel the cataract gave them dry eyes. That's really, (laughs) yeah, it's like your cataract was like, you know, blocking all the aberration from your, you know, bad ocular surface before surgery. You just can see that now because your cataract is gone. Yeah. Right. And now, now it's manifested. Yeah. So to really educate them up front, I think, is so critical in many ways. Set up lens uh, expectations, set up their post-operative visual outcome expectations. Mm-hmm. So the p- patient conversation, I think, is critical to a happy patient. I totally agree. Do you, you, know, do you talk about, for, especially for people that are getting um, a diffractive technology lens, mm-hmm. do you talk about the ocular surface? with? You know, is it just part of your conversation with them? Absolutely. I say I'm giving you a Ferrari. This lens is the Ferrari of lenses. But if you don't oil the wheels, it's not going to go. Mm-hmm. And there's more chance of you know, failure if we really don't handle the ocular surface appropriately. So I really put the onus on the patient to really take ownership and responsibility for, for um, managing their eyes postoperatively as well. Yeah, I totally agree because, you know, they're going to have that lens for the rest of their lives right. and you want them to be, you know, I really want everybody to be having, you know, taking yeah. care of good care of the ocular surface, but especially for those patients because, right. you know, a bad tear film can really interact negatively with those defective optics. Absolutely. So. Well, wonderful. Thank you for yeah. being here and talking about lenses yeah. together Thank today. you. It's, 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 it's so, it is so fun. Um, I know there's a lot of exciting stuff coming out, um, you know, going forward. You know, we're looking at many new types of accommodating lenses, mm-hmm. um, you know, new, new technology, you know, maybe being able to reprogram the power of the lens. Yeah. Um, you know, what do you, what do you tell your patients about what's on the horizon? Yeah, it's really an exciting time to be a cataract surgeon. It's made our conversations a lot longer, but I think it's worth it because ultimately we have so many cool things to offer patients in different categories. Um, and so I think, you know, with um, these 
excellent technologies really paving the way for the future. Um, you know, I tell patients right now we have so many amazing things available. Um, if a 50-year-old comes in wanting a refractive lens exchange, I say there's things even on the horizon that are coming out. But really to be able to fine-tune post-operatively, I think, is really an amazing technology. Um, small aperture uh, IOL is very exciting for a lot of patients who wouldn't previously be a candidate for um, depth of focus type of lenses. So, um, you know, I think that our future is bright and looking forward to expanding our our um, ability to treat these patients even more. I totally agree. Every time I, you know, go to a meeting and or read, you know, what's coming out, yeah. uh, it just it it's such an amazing, inspiring thing. So I totally Absolutely. agree.